This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is part two of Hope. We are going to jump right into this today. And uh, I'm just going to share you a story out of the scripture um, that really is one of my favorite stories um, in the Bible. And it's all about hope. And um, I believe that we can all identify um, both sides of this story. The one giving hope to somebody else and then also the one receiving hope, being the one that needed hope, that that was in a place that seemed hopeless, okay? So here we go. Hopefully, we're just going to get really encouraged today by the Word of God. So Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time to get into your Word, God. We pray your blessing, favor, grace on your Word today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right. So... um, I'm going to read a little bit out of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel today concerning the relationship of Jonathan and David a little bit, okay? So um, Jonathan and David, uh, we all know David anointed to be king as a young boy, went through a lot um, leading up to that, during that and after, and he, who's who we call King David and his relationship with King Saul's son, Jonathan, and kind of all the tension there. So as we dive into this, um, just to give you a little, I, I think most people joining with us, uh, you know, folks that grew up in church or kind of been reading their Bible and stuff for some time, you kind of already know this, but I just want to give a little bit of the backstory and show just so we could kind of know where we're landing in the scripture and kind of read through it. So, so um, King David, current king at the time, was trying to kill David. Okay, obviously he's he's jealous and envious of him, and he's trying to kill him. So, um, and in in um, 1 Samuel chapter 20, David and Jonathan are having this dialogue, and David's, based, I'm paraphrasing, but like David's like, man, your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan's like, man, I don't know if he's really trying to kill you. He's like, no, he's trying to kill me. And so Jonathan ends up connecting with his dad, talking to his dad, and just even... Jonathan's dad, King Saul at the time, was so angry with Jonathan for being friends with David, having a heart for David. He threw a spear at his own son. So Jonathan's like, yeah, you're, my dad's trying to kill you. Okay, so so um, so that's kind of it. But, but in this um, dialogue here, and we're going to get into a little bit of it. So David and Jonathan had a really strong relationship. Okay, and it was so strong that the scripture um, describes that they were knit in the soul. So this is where we get the term soul tie and in our modern uh, Christian world uh, that kind of the environment I came up in, in church and stuff, that, that term is more used in a negative sense, like having a, having a soul tie with somebody that's not walking with the Lord. And I believe there's some relevancy to that, like, you know, having, you know, being connected emotionally to somebody that could be bringing you down and you need to create a boundary there. That is not what the scripture speaks of when it com- comes to soul tie here, it's that they were, they were like brothers. Okay. They, they were, they were knit in the soul, you know, they, they were strong friends. Okay. And so you, you'll even notice this when we, t- like, as we're talking about hope, you even notice this, that you can see this. And I think even in our own lives that because of the warfare without like 
around them, at them, coming at, from the outside in, it almost seems like their relational bond grew stronger and deeper, right? And I think that's so true at times. This is what relationships are for because there's something about going through something together that makes us stronger friends. Um, I, I, I just, it, it, that happens. That's, that's what's so beautiful about having the right people around you that genuinely care about you and you care about them. And it's like, man, we're in this together. We're fighting through this together. And literally they were in this together. Okay. And so because of the warfare, they were both going, the warfare they were both going through their bond appears to actually get a little stronger. And so here's my first point is that hope comes through relationship. Okay. So um, not all hope, but there is this, we ought to experience hope because of the people God has put in our life. That could very well and should be, I believe your spouse should be one of those people that that relationship, when you're discouraged, had a bad day or going through some things like your spouse, I, I believe that's God's intention for marriage, that hope can come through that person to you and vice versa, come through you to that person. Now, we all, we discussed last week, you know, like hope is of God, it's from God, it is within his nature. So, so we're talking about the hope that God gives can come through somebody else. And so we see this in Jonathan and David, okay? So now let's just turn in our Bibles now. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 to 17. 1 Samuel 20, verse 14 to 17. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. Now, let me go back a little bit. So this is after Jonathan and David's dialogue and them both realizing and knowing together, okay, King Saul's trying to kill you, right? And then Jonathan comes to David after that, after he really realizes, okay, this is not good. So Jonathan comes to David and he, and he, he speaks to him very seriously. It's very weighty conversation, okay? So let me read verse 17 again. I just wanted to give you a little um, backdrop there. And this is what Jonathan said to him. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, uh, that, that I may not die. Verse 15, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Okay, so man, this is like, Jonathan's almost like prophetic here because nothing has changed. King Saul is still King Saul. He's still trying to kill David. But Jonathan just was like, things are about to change. And he, in his conversation here, Jonathan's like, man, he could feel it. Like David is gonna be king. Like, like things are gonna change. And he's like, hey man, um, you are gonna be the king, like you, authority is being changed. Like there's a changing of the guard happening. It's like the writings on the wall, and Jonathan's like, "Hey, let's let 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 let's create an agreement right now before it happens." And so uh, this is what Jonathan's saying, because he's even saying, "Hey, 
all of your enemies are going to be cut off from you. Like he, he knows what's going down, right? Verse 16. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David. Okay, this agreement saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Verse 17. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow. He's like, I need your word. Things are about to change. Um, I need this relationship and it can't just be words. Like I need a covenant here. I need an agreement. Um, I, I need to know, I need that. I need to know that this relationship is intact. This relationship is strong and that I have hope beyond what's about to go down in my family. Okay. It says, now Jonathan again caused David to bow because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And this word kindness, he uses this word kindness, show me kindness. Okay. And, and this word kindness in the Hebrew language, it means covenant loyalty. And so that's a very strong word. He's like, man, I'm, this is, we need an agreement here. Okay. Um, and he was anticipating a change and he leaned into a relationship that through this relationship, in a sense, was his only hope for him and his offspring. Okay. And so as a result, it happens, right? Like Jonathan knew. Um, I think that's so beautiful that he knew enough. Like there, there's something about as Christians, the warfare we go through. We need to, when we're talking about hope now, when we go through trial and warfare and just life, I'm telling you, let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. If, if, if this is a challenge for some, encouragement for others, lean in to the relationships that are gonna help sustain you spiritually through the fire. Jonathan was like, man, um, we're about to make a covenant right now, right? I'm gonna lean in to, to a person that I know. It's like, we're, this is mutual. We got the same heart. We're going the same direction. We got the same convictions. Right is right, wrong is wrong. I'm gonna lean into this relationship in this moment. And that's exactly what Jonathan did. So as a result of obviously God's hand on David, David goes on to literally conquer. So there's a whole list here of things that go down all the way from where we read there in 1 Samuel chapter 20, all the way to 2 Samuel chapter, you know, seven into eight, okay? So chapter upon chapter st stuff goes down. So I'm gonna kind of just give you a backdrop so you can kind of see what, what, what has transpired since that covenant, okay? So, so basically all of Jonathan's um, family, for the most part, the whole dynasty crumbles and they all start dying, okay? And David starts to conquer. And so here's, here's kind of just a short list of what happened. He, he reigns over Israel, okay? So and he also, he drives out the Jebusites, took the stronghold of Zion, which is basically Jerusalem, and hence you get the term the city of David, okay? He, he, he defeated the Philistines. Um, he brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, okay, which is a representation of God's covenant with his people and his presence, okay? Um, he defeats Moab, 
and he conquers Syria. I mean, David is just killing it, okay? He's anointed, he's called to be king, and he's walking in that. I mean, it's just favor, blessing, breakthrough, whatever you want to call it. Like David has, has got some momentum. I mean, he, it seems like no matter where he, where, where he was, what he was doing, it was like God was just blessing it. It was like just favor, right? And, and so let, let's go here to 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14 says, he also put garrisons in, in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons and all the Edomites became David's servants. There's another one. People Edom became servants. I mean, he's just, I mean, just, he's literally taking territory, conquering, his influence is being built, his, his Instagram followers are going up, you know what I'm saying? He's got all kind of uh, Facebook followers, right? you know what I'm saying? So, so you get the idea, like, and, and it says here at the end of 2 Samuel 8, 14, it says, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went, okay? Um, man, God just blessed him. I mean, this day and age, you look at him and be like, this guy's got it going on. Right, and and so this word preserve, uh, it, it it's a really cool Hebrew word, um, as it says here. And the Lord, this was God's doing, like God was blessing him, okay. And and it says the Lord preserved, the Lord preserved David wherever he went, okay. Now he obviously had to go through a lot of stuff to get to this point. I mean, he had the king trying to kill him time and time again, had all kind of trouble. Okay, all kind of trial. Okay, and this word preserve means to gain victory. All right, it means, it comes from a word that means to set in a wide or open place. It's just like, you know, um, you know, like the book of Psalms talks about how the Lord sets me in a broad place. It's like there's room, blessing, favor, provision. It's just bam, you know? And obviously uh, it's God's favor, but Obviously, David applied himself. He was faithful. He worked hard. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, like this was God's hand on him, right? And so it, it also means to avenge or deliver. And, and so I want to encourage you, when it comes to hope, think about when David was first being chased by Saul, throwing spears at him, literally trying to kill him, hiding in the cave of Abdullam, um, all that he went through, the type of men that gathered around him, the Bible says that they were all in debt and discouraged, right? And so, you know, it wasn't all this. Like our walk with God isn't all just like feels good, blessings, favor, abundance. Like that is just not life. And that is not life with God. That is not what our journey looks like. Like if we look at the book of Acts in the early church, that is not all of what our journey with God is, we will suffer. In some way, we will suffer. That is just the way it is. But there, there are moments, there, there is an aspect of walking with God that God does bless us and open doors for us and, 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 that, and that we do uh, achieve and accomplish things for him, all for his glory. And, and, and we do experience breakthrough and answer prayer and all that. Praise God. Amen. So, so here's my point here. I want to encourage you. If, if there's something you're believing for in your life, some sort of outcome, as we see, David was obedient and faithful to God and God blessed him. And we see that happening. And so here's the point. 
God will do what he said, right? And that, that's really what um, hope is, is that we believe and trust that God will do what he said, all right? But here we go. We want to get to this point here, okay? So praise God for all of that, okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But can I, can I, can I just share this with you? And I think we all know this. The Christian life is not all about building influence, acquiring some sort of higher social status, expanding and scaling up, right, everything, um, taking new ground, conquering territory, like that is not the goal. Um, God will bless us will favor us. We will experience the favor of God. It's just, this is, that, that is, that is biblical and that is sound, but some sort of outcome of blessing of things or what other people would say, wow, that person's blessed. Wow. Look at them. That is not the goal of walking with God. That is not what our walk with God is about. That is not what pastoring is about. That is not what ministry is about, okay? And so here's my next point. There, there's a higher calling in God than that. There's something, there's gotta be something that matters more than just having this outward manifestation of blessing. There has got to be more than that. That is not, you know, and many times, you know, that's why the psalmist would say, hey, why do the wicked prosper? Probably because they just apply themselves and they work hard, you know what I mean? Or whatever, or who knows? Uh, but it, outward blessing or what we would look at, what the world would look at and say, wow, like, look at that person, look what they have, look what they have done. Like, that is not the ultimate goal of walking with God. There, there's a higher calling in God. Right, like, and what do I mean? Like, there, there's gotta be a deeper purpose than that for you, right? Like, there's gotta be a greater why. Like, why am I here? Why am I blessed? Why, what is the real reason for the gifts you've given me, God, the influence you've given me? Whatever thing the world will look at and go, wow, look at that, He's look at him, he's up there, he's doing that, or she, whoever, right? There's gotta be, something that matters more than just being that and getting there. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right? And so th there's got to be more with respect to our relationship with God and our relationship with people. There has got to be more. There's got to be more. All right? There, I'm going to say it again, folks. There has got to be more. All right? And this is what I want to share. I want to share this with a point. Okay, and I think um, there's got to be more purpose than just acquiring things or prestige or whatever. Okay, um, and so here it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, share this to you in a point form, and this is just something that uh, I feel God just spoke to me as I'm reading this and seeing David's conquest right? 
and um, or if you just look at the history um, of the world and even just conquest within national powers, um, whatever, right? Uh, and here it is, here's the point. Conquest without covenant is idolatry. If, if it's just about taking ground, uh, whatever, and however that figuratively means or uh, realistically means, I'm gonna say it again, conquest without covenant is idolatry. So once again, folks, I know this is a, um, a very um, strong statement, but when we look at our life as believers, when we look at our journey, when we look at what our Christian life is all about, when we look at what serving God is all about, um, and we're gonna see this in the life of David, that conquest without covenant is idolatry. What is that saying? That the acquisition of things and stuff and a drive for um, anything that is void of um, an authentic relationship with God and authentic relationship with people something is missing, right? And so here's David, right? And um, and uh, also, like, you can look at this too, and I'll, I'll give you this verse. I'm not gonna read it all because I wanna kind of get on to 2 Samuel 9 here. But in, in 1 Timothy 6, um, you can read this, verse 5, 5 and 6. Uh, Paul's telling Timothy that there's just certain people out there and they, they suppose that godliness is a means of gain right? Like, let's be godly so we can gain. Let's, let's serve the Lord so we can get stuff, right? And he, he goes on to talk about in that verse, the next verse in uh, 1 Timothy 6, is that he says, no, godliness with contentment is great gain, okay? So there's that, just a healthy perspective, right? So Paul's just saying, hey man, this is, this is the right approach to this stuff. So anyway, um, as we, as we get back to second, Second Samuel nine. If you want to, you know, turn in your Bibles to Second Samuel nine, verse one, and and show here's David. He, he's at the top of his game. You know what I mean? He's killing it. He's doing his thing, and this is God's doing. Like the Lord caused him to be preserved, right, wherever he went. But here it is. Here, here's we see the real reason for all this. And Second Samuel nine one. Um, now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He's like, okay, man, I got a lot going on. Things are going great. Um, but is there somebody that needs what I have? Is there somebody? Now, obviously this is a direct connection to the covenant we read about between Jonathan and David. And David obviously remembered, maybe, I don't know, it just came to him, we don't know. But here he is um, doing his thing and probably having somewhat of a great day himself. And he's like, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake, I have made a covenant 
with Jonathan, I have committed to be a blessing, to give hope to Jonathan's house, okay? And so, you know, the main point here, right, is we're blessed to be a blessing. The blessing on your life is for the purpose of bringing hope to somebody else. The blessing on your life is for the purpose of bringing hope to somebody else. So let's continue to read through here. And I would just um, say here, I might just jump around a little bit, but I encourage you to to really capture um, the heart of this message today. The, the, the rest of what we're really gonna look at is basically the whole chapter of 2 Samuel chapter nine. But let's go, let's go to verse two and verse three here. 2 Samuel 9, verse two and three. And, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. Verse three, then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? All right, covenant loyalty is about people. Covenant is about people. Covenant is about people. Jesus dying on that cross was about us. It's about people, right? About nothing else. If, if, if our pursuit of life is everything else other than developing and growing in relationship with God and being a blessing to other people, you know, we're, we're missing it. We are really missing it. Ziba said to the king, this is verse three, uh, there is still a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. Isn't it interesting that doesn't even say the man's name. He just says what his abnormality is, what his issue is, what his um, cripple is, um, you know, what his deformity is. Just basically was like, yeah, he got somebody, man, but the, he's, he's deformed. He is lame in his feet. And in Jewish society, man, that, you, you know, they, people like that were considered unclean. And yeah, just to clarify, David, um, Jonathan has a son, but he's lame in his feet. All right, so, so this is a beautiful thing. Verse four, verse four um, of 2 Samuel 9. So the king said to him, where is he? Where is he? Didn't, didn't, didn't discard him, didn't, didn't, he, did, he, he pressed right past that. He's like, his lameness, his disability is not gonna get in the way of a covenant I've made. This, this issue this person has is not, does not have power over the covenant. So like his deformity, right? Um, his infirmity, his, his issue, his, his problem, did not get in, in the way of the covenant. And I'm here to tell you right now that our issues are not more powerful than the covenant, the new covenant in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the king said to him, where is he? Bring him to me. And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mature, the son of Amiel, Am, Am, Amiel in Lodabar. Say that with me, say Lodabar. Total biblical name there, isn't it? Um, Lodabar, verse five, 2 Timothy 9, verse five. Then King David sent, brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Then King David sent 
and brought him out of the house. So here is Mephibosheth in a place called Lodabar. The, the, the word Lodabar means no pasture. It's in a deserted place, no pasture. You know, we, we, are, we are the sheep of God's pasture. There is no place, no community, no home, no food. He was desolate, hopeless, Lodabar, no pasture. And King David brought him out of a place of hopelessness, brought him out of a place of no pasture into a place of pasture, into a place where he would uh, find community and be provided for and, uh, and, and eat, right? And so here's, here's my next point, and it's a question. Who is blessed because of you? Who, now I understand like we are not the source of the blessing, but we are the conduit of the blessing. David was not the source. The covenant was the source and David allowed that covenant to take place through him for the sake of this lame son of Jonathan in a place of no pasture. Once again, let me ask the question, who is blessed because of you? As a result of the blessing of God on your life, who has been blessed as a result? We are blessed to be a blessing. 2 Samuel 9, verse 6 and verse 7. Let's read these two verses. We're just reading through 2 Samuel 9. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here is your servant. Verse 7, so David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. There's that word again covenant loyalty for Jonathan, your father's sake. Uh, for Jonathan, your father's sake, meaning you're here as a result of a covenant. You're here as a result of an agreement that has nothing to do with you, meaning you are not a part of that. You are a beneficiary of it. You are here because of covenant. And I'm here to tell you right now that we all are able to sit at the Lord's table and none of us deserve None of us have earned the right, earned it to sit before the Lord and to communion with him. None of us deserve Christian community. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have issues. We all are spiritually in our soul because of sin. We all are infirm, inadequate, and cannot earn the right. But Mephibosheth was invited into the king's court because of a covenant, all right? And he says, and he said, do not fear, I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat at my table continually. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you this, tell it this way right here. This is beautiful. It says he ate continually. He was invited to the table, communion, community. All right, and um, it requires willingness to sit at the table. Uh, let me encourage you here. It, but it requires maturity to stay at the table. So when we look at this situation. We we see so much in the in the Bible concerning the table of the Lord, like the Last Supper. We're sitting at a table, and um, Jesus said, "Behold, this is the new covenant in my blood." This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
in Jewish Jewish tradition, Semitic culture, um, eating is never just about food. Okay, like they, they, their worship, their 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 communion with God and one another um, is all at the table. You know, the Bible says He prepares a table um, before us in the presence of our enemies. In the book of Revelation, um, when uh, in, in, in the letters to the seven churches, one of those churches, it says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him, sup, and he with me. That word sup means the chief meal of the day. So meal, table, speaks of communion and community. And so it says here that he sat continually. Could you imagine just the emotional implications that were going on in Mephibosheth? He's sitting at a table uh, with a dynasty of people that conquered his family. You know, and, and here he is invited by way of covenant that the king was covenant brother with his father. And yet the complexity of his grandfather was trying to kill the king. Like, and man, all my whole family is gone. And here I am and I'm invited into this place and it's restored to me and I'm sitting at this table. And, you know, um, and so just the complexity of all that, the, the you know, uh, man, it just what he was probably just processing sitting at that table and Lame people weren't supposed to sit at the king's table. They were not allowed to sit at the king's table. But the, the reason he was able to was because covenant trumped his deformity. Hallelujah, right? And so I, I know a lot of people that have been invited to the table of the Lord and they've responded and they sat at that table. But I know plenty of others that did not stay at the table for whatever reason, um, whether it was somebody else at the table, come on now in community that did them wrong, um, or they just, you know, they just couldn't, you know, they had their own hangups of, you know, uh, their, their relationships with other people. And I'm here to tell you right now that when we, hope is found in and through community, but it takes maturity to stick in there, um, right? Because you got to deal with the other people at the table and not, and, other people at the table are actually humans and, 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 and our communion is with Christ. We're there because of Christ. We're there by way of covenant, but we must learn. It takes maturity to stay at the table with the Lord. It takes community to stay in relationship. It takes, com it takes maturity to commit in and through relationship, right? It's a beautiful thing to be invited. And, and that's part of the beauty of the gospel that all are accepted we in Christ that we are accepted in the beloved and um, and we must and it it's just our willingness is this simple requirement to sit at the table of the Lord to find Christ to commune with Christ at his table the table of the Lord it represents a provision it represents the benefits of the atonement it represents reconciliation with Christ. It represents redemption. It represents justification. It represents regeneration. It represents all of what God has provided through his covenant, the cross, his blood, and his broken body. That's the table of the Lord. But, it, but then also, and both and, it is 
the communion with his body. And many times we sit at the table, we receive from Christ, we love the Lord, but we don't develop the maturity to be able to navigate the complexity of the other broken individuals at the same table. Can I get an amen, somebody? It requires maturity to stay at the table of the Lord. I'm telling you, it's where hope is found. And it's where we then can fellowship not only with God, but with his people. All right, verse verse eight, 2 Samuel 9, verse eight. Um, and I'm gonna read to verse um, 10. 2 Samuel 9, 8 to 10, here we go. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. All right, 2 Samuel 9, 10. <clears throat> you therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11 to 13, we're gonna finish this chapter. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. He shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Romans 8, you know, we if we're children, then we're heirs, joint heirs with Christ. All right? We are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus. All right? It is something given to us by way of covenant. We have a place at the table of the Lord because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Verse 12, Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, God of peace, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. Hallelujah. I want to close with this um, scripture out of Ephesians 2.13. And then speaking of hope, we see, um, as you're turning to Ephesians 2.13, we see that um, David looked at the blessing on his life and he remembered a covenant and says, who, is there anybody left? Is there a person I can bless? And he truly blessed him. I mean, over and above. And that is the purpose of the blessing of God on our life. And it is, it is, a, is it a beautiful picture? This is like a type and a shadow, a, a metaphor of us. Like we all are Mephibosheth, right? And God has called us to his table. God has, Jesus has touched us. Jesus has saved us. Jesus has, has redeemed us. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. We all have a seat at the table. But let me encourage you folks. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. 
Don't allow any other person, place, or thing to get you away from the table of the Lord. It isn't easy. It is sometimes very difficult to stay in Christ, to stay in community. It is both and. It is your relationship with God, and it is also in Christ, your relationship with his people at the table. Let me end with this, and, and I'm going to pray. Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off. Come on now, Mephibosheth, chilling in Lodabar, right? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm gonna read it again. I think this just sums it all up today that we find hope in Jesus and God wants hope to flow through us to other people. Ephesians 2.13, one more time. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you right now for this word. Uh, God, I pray that you would encourage us in this, that um, Lord, we are in your presence, in community, and at your table simply because of what you have done. So I pray that everybody here, God, would have the willingness that they would willingly sit at your table, willingly receive from you, Christ, and receive, give and receive to other believers that are at that same table. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I also pray, God, that we would develop the maturity to eat continually at the table, even when it's difficult and challenging. I pray that we'd be committed to the table, not that we wouldn't be driven by persona or personality, but we would sit because of our commitment to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if you haven't accepted Christ, have not turned to him, um, this is your day. I want to lead you in a prayer um, of turning from your sin and, and confessing Christ as Lord. Um, I want to make this invitation to you uh, to do this, to pray. So if you would pray with me, um, just say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I've sinned and I repent. Um, I am a sinner and wash me clean in your precious blood. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I am saved uh, by grace through faith. Lord, teach me to walk with you. Uh, I surrender the entirety of my life to you. In Jesus' name, Jesus, you are Lord, and I believe that God raised you from the dead. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message, and my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. 
If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.